All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Can you see it? Did you The puck comes right to Pedersen, who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot, he scores! A moment's notice, it arms To the line, Hughes, scores! You're listening to Canucks Conversation. Quinn Hughes, the reporter here. Like, I don't, I won't cover the Canucks. Yeah. I cover Quinn Hughes and what he's doing to the Canucks. A member of the Nation Network podcast and delivered by DoorDash. Just wave the guy and get Demko involved. I wanted them in at Valentine's Day. Wow. We should do a radio show together. <laughs> <laughs> right on. I want to fist bump you right now. What Pearl steals, cutting in, shoots, scores! Don't waste all the good stuff on the off air. Let's go. Hello, Canucks fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation, brought to you by the great folks at Zephyr Epic. You can use promo code Hockey Season, capital H, capital S, all one word, Hockey Season. That will get you $5 off your order at ZephyrEpic.com, Z-E-P-H-Y-R, Epic. Go check them out. Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, Instagram, all platforms. They've got you covered for all your trading card needs. They've got giveaways. They've got a lot going on, so go check them out. ZephyrEpic.com. They've also got a retail location in Surrey. The best part about Zephyr Epic is they ship free anywhere in Canada on any order over $50 from... Well, first of all, I, I'll get to my cities in a second. I'm going out there to Zephyr Epic next week. Oh, I'm you're coming, coming with too. you. That's right. We're going to go out uh, and check out the store, get some stuff on socials. Anyways, they deliver from Mission... I got to pronounce this one right because I know I'll hear about I it. I think you nailed it. No, I know that one's <laughs> fine. From Mission to Miramichi, New Brunswick. Let me see the spelling. No, I sounded it out. I know it's right. Um, The largest city in New Brunswick, sorry, in northern New Brunswick, because apparently this is two different parts. This is the, yeah, largest city in northern New Brunswick, 18,000 people. And the median median household income is $57,417. Wow. That's the average that a house has taken home. 
Got to think you, that's pretty low. That right? is low, but what's the real estate like out there? He's, I say, yeah, they're not getting quads money out there. Is his you know quads his household? This, <laughs> this was really weird. Okay, I, I, for some reason on my Twitter feed, I got a promoted video from Global News, but it was Global New Brunswick. Okay, and they were talking about how the real estate in St. John's, that's the place in New Brunswick, right? Yeah. Okay. They were talking about how no, the sorry, real estate. St. John. Yeah, yeah, St. John. St. John's is Newfoundland. There's a, they get mad about that, or maybe I have it wrong. But either one has an apostrophe S at the end. I love how we're not cutting these things anymore because nope. the summer we're not we're not backtracking and fact checking. We're just going for it. And actually, following this up, we're going to talk 15 minutes about a doctor. Actually, <laughs> no, we're not going to do that. People enjoyed the Montana's episode. We had a lot of fun out yeah. at Montana's. But but sorry to continue my story. So wherever it was in New Brunswick, they were talking about how they're having similar problems that Vancouver has had with the housing market and how you know. People are investing in housing and not, you know, not living in the houses and, you know, they want to bring in something to, you know, I guess penalize people who aren't putting their properties on the rental market and, you know, aren't living in them in New Brunswick. So this was really interesting to me, but for some reason that came on my Twitter feed as a promoted thing. When I was uh, on my trip out east there, I was, all people were saying was, oh, like the the prices for for rent are so crazy like living in charlottetown so expensive living in st john's st john is so expensive living in halifax is so expensive and i was like no way like it can't be that bad like i'm from vancouver it's uh you know a lot worse here but then i was hearing like how much it actually was to live in because there's so many like small towns in those little provinces right but the big cities are actually like they are pretty expensive i was hearing like what the rent was in charlottetown and Mm -hmm. and it was a lot more than i expected because i i thought everyone you just pay paying peanuts and you live for free in uh, new brunswick no No, it's getting bad i saw a couple city councilors talking about it i bet yeah the councilors over there they got some pull over there in new brunswick pei those people geez get a can of off and that's worth more than gold over there too you got those mosquitoes out there they're no joke uh big uh big economy over there you know what it is quads can you guess the three, the big economy. It's three things in New Brunswick. Can you guess what it is? What, like, what does their economy run through? What do you think, okay. New Brunswick? It's pretty like basic three things. Well, I'm not going to say like agriculture. No, like, I feel like that's all three of these things. Okay, okay, that no, okay. Let me do this. Okay, seafood. Well, fishing. Yeah, fishing. I'll give you that. Okay, yeah, that's what I meant. Okay. <laughs> okay, fishing. Uh there's not many trees out there, right? So, okay. Logging, I'll say. Yeah, forestry. You're closer. You're, <laughs> I was I mean, just saying words. <laughs> I feel like... Uh, yeah. In the ballpark. Yeah, you're and then the area. third one, healthcare. Healthcare. That's a good one, but no, it's not. Uh, it's mining. Oh, I just said that. Yeah. Darn. Those so, are like your basics. Mining, fishing, forestry. That's what everyone... I tell you what, it sounds like... Uh, it sounds I feel like, like that's Van- a lot of cities. Vancouver Island <laughs> is in a nutshell right there, pretty much. Uh, and here's... Here, tell, let me tell you about a famous part of Miramichi is so they got the uh, the Miramichi River right the river pretty famous gorgeous river I guess I don't know uh, but they have a rapids that's very famous you want to know what these rapids are called sure the push and be damned rapids push and be damned rapids on the Miramichi River so they just you, you push and be damned I don't know you're good to go from there you hop in the canoe you get the stick out push it in the ground be damned be that's damned. Uh, that's what they call it. and the record low for uh, the temperature because I you think out east, right? You know it gets cold over there in Montreal and Toronto and all these areas. People forget the Maritimes gets cold over there too. Record low of minus forty one point seven in Miramichi, and the average snowfall in one month quads in the month of December, the average snowfall that they get in Miramichi, two hundred and ninety one centimeters. Wow! Which for the inch people out there, a lot of inch people around, hundred and fourteen inches of snow. In in December, that's the average that they get. That's crazy. That's that is ridiculous. That is almost ten feet of snow. How much does it cost to buy a house in Miramichi? Um, that's something. That's something we gotta start doing. Real estate well, eight, favor. Yeah, eighteen thousand people. Like I'm guessing, it's not a horrible well, guess. Forty eight. No, I <laughs> no. I mean, it's probably. You know, I looked at a few things of real estate over there when we were over there just yeah. to, to check in. Yeah. And if you're living in the you know the teeny little towns out in the out in the boonies there. Uh, you're all good. You can get one for like 200 grand, but we were looking at like million dollar houses, like in the smaller towns. And yeah, there, there's a lot of, there was one, you could buy 16 uh, houses for, for like $2 million. What? And it was like, they're like rental units. Like oh Airbnb yeah. Yeah. yeah you okay. buy 16 of them. They're just like little cabins pretty much. Clean but up. It was like 2 million bucks. Wow. 
That should, be our next, that should be our next business venture. That was PEI, yeah, yeah. yeah. The Canucks Convo Cabins. Our Patreon and our $2 million <laughs> in our Patreon account, yeah. Oh, jeez. All right, uh, can we get to this? And I'd like to start a segment at some point, Chris, where I just have a news dump and just dump news on all the listeners. Sure. Because I've got a lot of news to, to share. Okay. Like, there's just a lot of stuff that I just find interesting that I just want to kind of get to. And Sounds good. Well, First two been, items for aren't... a while, you've been dumping on DoorDash for getting to do the reads all the oh, time. Over you're the... right, you've done it for the last month or so now. And, well, you're the one that's like our promo code sucks, and I gotta explain how the promo code works I'll to you. Say it but again, fifty percent off code... summer of DoorDash. You get the Dash Pass, boom, fifty. Forget I our promo. Explain this on the last episode that you should use both if you're a first time user. Okay. Jeez, man. Okay, we're also delivered by DoorDash. Ding dong. Use promo code CONVODD, capital C, capital D's, all one word, CONVODD. That would get 25% off and free delivery on your first order with the DoorDash app. Does not get much better than that, folks. You've heard us talk for about eight minutes now. My name is Dave Quadrelli, joined as always by the man who built the place, Chris Faber. And folks, I've got a news dump, the first two of which aren't even hockey related. It's just things oh. that I want to bring up. It's the summer. Let me talk about this. The Honus Wagner T206 card has just sold... For a record $7.25 million. You got to explain this. This is the first baseball yeah. card you said? Yes. It's the rare uh, SGC 2-graded T206 Honus Wagner trading card produced by the American Tobacco Company between 1909 uh, to 11. And yeah, it's it's... It's a very, very valuable card. Tobacco company. This come with like you bought a pack of smokes, Well, yeah, remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember wow. you would buy like bubble gum and they would have cards there, right? Yeah. Even the upper deck cards that they make now, they still have, um, you know, they still have those, uh, the like bubblegum cards, but they're obviously don't come with bubblegum, mm. unfortunately, anymore. But yeah, it's been crazy. That- the old marketing thing. You ever heard the story of like how, uh, like Michelin stars, mm-hmm. how they did that? You know the story behind this? No. How like Mich- like Michelin stars, for people who don't know, it's like you, if you're a really good restaurant or whatever, you get Michelin stars. I don't know how it works. Okay, like yeah. two stars is really good or something. I don't know, but it's made by like the, the tire company. Michelin because they wanted people to like drive out and drive to these places and where and use their tires a bunch. Apparently, I don't know. I feel like this is right. And you know the Guinness story. You know Guinness World Records. Yeah, they didn't have any trivia or bar stuff in trivia. So Guinness, like the beer company, started Guinness World Records. Oh, I so didn't that realize that. They had like that. trivia and they would have it in the bars and stuff. You'd be drinking more beers. I didn't realize it's the, the same, same company. People love baseball. People love darts. You're ripping darts. Well, you're watching baseball. You're pulling cards. I've, Old marketing's good marketing back in the day. Let me say more about this other than, yeah, the $7.25 million card is valuable because I just realized that's what I said about uh, a minute ago. But here it is. Okay, so Wagner, longtime pirate shortstop, has been best known for being the face of the world's most expensive trading card. The mythology around the card and its rarity stems from Wagner's opposition to the card for disputed reasons and the tiny population of them in existence in any condition. And and one of these cards sold in May of 2021, okay, for 3.75 million. Come on. That's not that long ago. And then the record record for the card uh before that mark was broken uh last August as well. So what do you do with a 7 million dollar card? Where you do you put it? You frame it, you put it in a couple safes. I uh, Dude, you got to protect that thing. Well, if you if you have enough money to throw around seven million dollars on a card, mm-hmm. you have enough money to be like, well, I don't even care what really happens with it. You got to put it out like on uh, you know one of those stands that has like a clear case on top. They put they see these in museums and stuff all yeah, the time. Yeah, so you'd rope it off and have yeah. security. I, I wouldn't put that out yeah, for if anybody. You paid to seven see. million, yeah, you can afford you know sixty grand for a year of security. Yeah, yeah, just one guy sits in front of it the yep. whole time. That's his job. Don't give him a chair. No, listen to podcasts all day long and watch the card. <laughs> Maybe he listens to this podcast. Is it, uh, the, is it like rated? Is it like a PSA 10? Uh, like no, no, it's not. It's not. Interesting. Um, I think, oh my gosh, a three graded sold for $6.6 million. Wow. Yeah, because I was going to say, I don't think you're getting a PSA 10 out of a card no, that old. No, 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 you're not. Okay, the other thing, uh, we're going to get to Hockey Talk. Juan Soto to the Padres. Yeah, your boy. I'm a Padres fan. I just had to say it. The Padres are rolling. I'm so happy. Okay. No one was enough. funny about the, the Juan Soto well, thing. I don't, I don't want to talk about this. Quickly. We're past the 12-minute mark. Someone's going to get mad. Okay. It's off-season. We get to 15 sure, in the sure. off-season. Go ahead. I, I've Go made ahead. that clear. I just saw it was like Yahoo Baseball or whatever. Mm-hmm. Their tweet was just like, and it got like like 
thousand, like tens and thousands of likes. It was just like Juan Soto has walked in his first at bat as a Padre, and it's just like that is like a huge deal. It was getting so much traction. But then instead of being out at first like he was when he was with the Nationals, Manny Machado hit a double, moved him to third. Uh, then the next batter gets walked, and yeah. then Brandon Drury, who's having a great year, comes up and hits a grand slam in the first inning. Yeah, five so that's run the first difference inning. between the Nationals and the Padres. Okay, enough baseball. Uh, let's talk here because Chris Klimovich. Klimovich is a big Padres guy, eh? Yeah, like well, a lot of the Abbotsford Canucks are because they hosted them to a game. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, never got a reply either. They tweeted at the Padres, nothing, nothing. Yeah, those left damn them. Padres. Well, they don't give a damn. Yeah, They're okay. Like, oh, a minor league team from Abbotsford, Canada. We've never heard of this. Okay, so so listen to this, Chris, because this is hockey talk, and I want to talk to you about it. A lot of Abby Canucks caught coming up, by the way. Here, yeah, not not right now. Okay. Matt V. Mitchkov, have you seen this? Suffers a lower body injury. He's out for two months, and, and people are referring to him as the potential number one pick. From everybody I've talked to, and I don't know if this is North American bias or what it is, but Connor Bedard is the number one overall pick in this draft. But, you know, people are talking about how Mitchkov's the number one potential pick. He could go first. Look, if you're out for two months in your draft year, you're looking probably uh, that's at not two the reason for sure. Why he's not code number one. He's also got a five year contract with Ska. Really? He's not going, he's not coming to North America anytime soon. So, how much do you think that'll affect a player's. A lot. He's... Well, well, hang on a sec, because Pod Cole's in with a lot of rankings we saw, was around 3 to 5. We saw him in a lot of rankings yep. that high. Falls to the Canucks at 10. Mitchkov's obviously at a different level than Pod Colson, right? So he, he is signed for longer, sure. Like, if I'm, my math is correct, he's going to have three or four years after his draft year before he can come to the I NHL. I think it's three years at after least. The draft it might year. be four because I think the five-year deal kicked in, like, kicks in... This year, maybe? I, think, I actually believe this is year two, so when his draft starts, it'll be year... Th- mm, I don't know. I think he was still part of Scott when he signed it, so I think this is like... I think it's three or... It's four years, three or four years, for sure. Okay. So... I think it's four, after he gets drafted. Okay. Four more seasons in the KHL. So how much do you think this will affect him? And I know we're going to have this conversation later, but, like, what are you hearing about this? Yeah, I mean, he's extremely talented. I mean, you see what he does at the World Juniors, or not World Juniors, but just U18s, and you'll see him at the World Juniors, not this year, but um, you'll see him in the wintertime, I guess, which is so weird. I I want to talk about World Juniors in a second, though, just a little bit. But, yeah, I think Mitchkov is incredibly talented. From everything we've seen up to this point, like, things can obviously change depending on how the season goes, but... He's a guy who's in a spot where because of that five-year deal he signed with Scott, he's going to get a lot of opportunity to play, and he's that skilled that he should get that. They're they're going to push him to be, like, the big star, not next season in the KHL, but, you know, two, three mm-hmm. years down the road because they actually have that runway with him. Uh, so they'll give him a huge opportunity to play. I think he is the second-best skilled player right now in the draft coming up, but you're right, like, three, four years down the road, you have to wait that long. He's probably a guy who might be able to jump right into the NHL. Okay, so he signed through 2026 with Ska. So that means he Yeesh. can't start till the 2027. Um, yeah. Or the, I believe 26, it would be 27 the 26 27 season. Yeah. So that's interesting he because that is three years, right? That's yeah. only three seasons. That I, he's I'd be sing, shocked still. to see him get past like six or seven. A team will. No, there's no way he's going that low. He'd, he'd go top five, I think. Yeah, that's but, what I said. I don't think he's going to get to six or seven. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, I agree with you. <laughs> so, yeah, top five. But still, like, you you know, general managers in those spots that are normally picking really high, they don't have super long leashes either. And I think that, you know, some general managers might make the push. There's a lot of, like, this next draft, man. It's wild. Some of the names that you're going to see at the 2023 NHL entry draft, you're going to see them kind of showcase here in this upcoming World Juniors as well as the one that we'll see in December. But... It's a very deep class, and it's very strong at the top as well. Not a lot of defensemen. There are not a lot of defensemen in the top 15 right now. Obviously, things will change a lot. You look at what happened you know, to, to guys in the past that we've seen. Brad Lambert being a perfect example mm-hmm, of guys mm-hmm. so highly rated at this point going into his draft, but we're still a year away. Uh, a full season is going to do a lot of different things and probably move some defensemen quite a ways up there as well. I've got an eye on a few like Finnish players and Swedish players that were, you know, playing in Liga or playing in the SHL at you know, 16, 17 years old, kind of names that you just put away to kind of look at later. So it'll be nice to dive into that. But yeah, with Mitchkov, I, I'd be shocked if he was out of the top five. I think he's extremely talented and you get a chance to see him uh, at these tournaments. It's going to be unreal because I think he's a hell of a player. Probably. I don't think he's pushing Bedard out of that number one spot. Mm-hmm. I think Bedard's at the level where, yeah, he has the potential to be, you know, the next 
generational talent, like the best we've seen in a draft in a long time, like mm-hmm. a very long time, I think, from what he's done so far. He's going to be ridiculous in the WHL this year. Um, and at like all the international tournaments, Bedard's ridiculous. I mean, not a huge shocker telling him that, but yeah. but Mishkov is as well. Like he's he's incredibly talented offensively. Uh, he's not the biggest body either, so it'll be interesting to see how he falls. But yeah, don't see him going out of the top five. Okay, we have Sheldon Dries in this episode. But before we get Can to I that, world I want to no. Let me. Uh, there's no hype for me in the World Juniors in August. There's absolutely none at all. Like Johnny like Yermo's there. No, I'm saying we're getting some Canucks. We'll get some Swedes as well when they get their roster coming out. But it's only like what two less than two weeks away. Two weeks away, and like we're not. I'm not excited for it. I think I'm going on vacation right when it starts. You are, I think. Like, what's yeah? It's it's like like just over a week away, and I have I have no excitement at all for it. Like, I, I'm excited to watch a Canucks for sure. I was but gonna say, I'm like, you better be. You're covering the tournament, it for us. a tournament that I absolutely love to watch every year. It just it doesn't feel the same in August, man. And I know, like, obviously, COVID put him in this situation. It's too bad. But there's a lot of players that are like, oh, my NHL team doesn't want me to. In the offseason, there's a chance of me making the NHL. It's just too bad. Like, it, it feels like um, – it just doesn't feel like a World Juniors is a, within just over a week from now. It's wild. Mm-hmm. I know. That's, there's no hype. Because I love this tournament. I, I think it's some of the best hockey you'll see because you're getting such a high level of skill. But you're also getting players that are playing into a position where they, they're not used to their teammates. There's a lot of mistakes made. But there's so much skill. And that's why – yeah, yeah it's gonna be I, tough to watch. I've also heard ticket sales are really low for mm. the tournament, and I, I just don't think maybe, there's as much hype as you will see. No, for and a that's December one for a number of reasons. Right. But it's like Hockey Canada is wondering why tickets aren't selling. It's like, have you seen the news lately? Yeah, no, it's true. It's horrible. Yeah. But I, yeah, like, and again, it also has something to do with it being an August tournament. But there's just a lot of stuff going on I that, that isn't making people want to support anything with Hockey Canada's name on it. Yeah, you're you're bang on with that. I just I'm hope I'm wrong with the just tournament as a whole of like once it starts. I hope it draws me in. But right now, it's I don't really have a lot of hype. And this is a tournament. This is my favorite hockey tournament. I like this more than than the Olympics. Like I, I like watching the World Juniors so much more, and it's such a an event normally in December. So. Yeah, kind of let doesn't down. feel right. It no, but we'll right. see. It might draw me in here in a, in a week or so. We'll see yeah. what happens. Okay. Uh, I quickly want to talk about the UFA market before we continue on here because John Klingberg, according to Jeff Merrick, reportedly turned down an 8x7 with the Dallas Stars because he wanted something like an 8x8 or he wanted more, basically. And he goes into free agency, doesn't get what he wants, fires his agent, which is always a sign that, hey, you told me I was going to get more than this, and now I can't get anything. Fires his agent, and you mentioned that Merrick also reported that Caroline offered him a four by seven. It was well, he didn't say the money, but he said it was somewhere in like the mid. This is on the latest thirty-one thoughts their offseason episode. It wasn't 32. like thirty-two, <laughs> whatever. It's hard to change that one, uh, but I think it was something like a. He said it was in like the mid-tier range. It wasn't seven years, but it wasn't two years. Like, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. The way he said it. Okay, interesting. And, and yeah, so Klingberg ends up taking the one-year deal. Like, yeah, there was a lot of teams interested. For sure. And I think they, you know, hearing Friedman and Merrick talk about it too, like there was a lot of teams interested in a one-year deal too. Mm-hmm. So the situation that he put himself in was to bet on what he's going to look like in the UFA market next year compared yeah. to a lot of guys that are going to run in there at right D that aren't really as offensive as him. So we'll see. And he's going to go to Anaheim and get traded at the deadline, go play for a contender and whatever happens and from hopefully there. sign an extension. I think that's the thought process, right? Yeah. Sign an extension yep. uh, in that market. And as being in the UFA market, I quickly want to touch on this because you Lamico today signed with Austin Matthews, former team, the ZSC lions, uh, ZSC lions, I should say uh, in Switzerland. And I just found that interesting because another name still on the market, Chris, his line mate, Tyler Mott, Still on the UFA market. Cannot find a home. Uh, Rob Williams wrote an article on Daily Hive yesterday just about if the Canucks could reunite with Mott. I don't really think they can. Can they? Like, you'd ha- you'd you'd sign Mott, and then what? You'd be burying like you'd be burying a contract at that point. You'd be bar- well. Niels Huglander basically wouldn't be on the NHL roster at yeah. that point. Like if you're if you're signing Mott and adding him to this team, good luck with Niels Huglander getting a bottom six spot. And it's you know Mott's not going to get that three year three million dollar deal that he was looking for, right? I mean that that seems pretty clear right now, and I think that's what the free agent market has kind of looked at, where Mott doesn't have that top six potential, and guys that are even getting you know Mikheyev money, who's making four point seven five, he's obviously got top six potential. He's a twenty goal scorer. 
and Mott just happens to not be that. He's, he can bring a lot to a team. I'm, I'm going to assume he signs eventually with someone, at, at not at like league minimum either. I still think he yeah, I think probably gets value. more than that, but I don't think it would be... Like, would it be surprising for you if he makes under $2 million next year? Not really to no, me. No, because I think I don't all think... the all the things we heard was that the Canucks kind of valued him around that number. I think yeah. it was 1.5 was the number that was kind of thrown out there. And obviously Mott didn't accept that offer, and that's why they traded him to the Rangers. But, yeah, I would not be surprised. In fact, I would say I don't think he will sign for over $2 million. I don't think so either. I think he's going to come in at one something, like one eight maybe, one point eight. But if you have a chance to get Mott back, like I know they're talking about size and they really like Dakota Joshua. We've talked about Phil DiGiuseppe. They got Curtis Lazar. They've improved their penalty killing in that regard. Like you're adding to your depth, sure, but are you just going to bump one of those guys down? Yeah, probably. Like I, mean, I feel like you could do it. You could do it. The more that I talk about this, you could do it because it's you know. Yeah, you may have to bury a contract, but it's a buryable contract with Dakota Joshua, right? Like, yep. you get all the cap savings from that. Obviously, it's passed pass through waivers, and you've hyped this guy up, but, like, it's possible. And again, like, that that really does bump down Niels Huglander, which sucks, because he's go- he'd be going down to the AHL, I think, in that scenario. I don't think you keep Huglander on as your team's well, Tyler Mott's a better forward. fourth liner than Niels Huglander is, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe not a better, doesn't have higher potential, but... As like a team right now to win right now, probably Mott's a better fourth liner. Yeah, so it's interesting. It's just interesting to note that Mott's still in the market because the UFA market clearly isn't what a lot of people yeah, thought Yeah, and you know what? Be. If the market's going to make Tyler Mott less than a $2 million player, like the Canucks should be sniffing around there again. It's a spot where obviously he was comfortable with in Vancouver. Um, worked well under Bruce Boudreaux at a lot of time during the season. It'd be, be interesting to see a circle back, but I don't know. We always think these things are going to happen. Troy Stetcher is going to come back yeah, inside never. all this stuff. It never happens. Yeah. But it'd be, I'd, I'd like it. But for Mott? Under $2 million, I'd like to see Mott back in a Canucks jersey. No Cactus Club in New York. Yeah. As Thatcher Demko. Well, and so. as our next guest mentioned, there's no Cactus Clubs down in the States. So uh, why don't we get to our interview here with Sheldon Dries, who I asked, what's your favorite spot in Abbotsford? You know he said Cactus Club. I was hoping for I was hoping for Luz. Luz is my spot out there. They got the peanut, uh, the Thai peanut wings out there. They're good. Excellent. Excellent stuff. But he, he, Did he really say cactus? You know he said cactus. You know it. He's All like, right. <laughs> well, we'll throw to it now. Uh, after a short ad break, we'll get to your conversation. I wasn't there. Your conversation with Abbotsford Canucks forward, Sheldon Dries. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Before we go any further into the episode, we have to give a quick shout out to our friends at Montana's. Montana's is the barbecue expert in Canada. They smoke their ribs in-house every day, and then they sauce and fire grill them to order. Montana's legendary all-you-can-eat ribs promotion is on now, seven days a week until the end of summer. Come in for all-you-can-eat ribs and get Montana's messy 
to win weekly prizes. Chris, do you have a little Montana story for I us? I tell you, go get the apple uh, butter barbecue sauce, the best sauce they got there. And listen, the ribs are great. Do the all-you-can-eat ribs. But if you're not in the mood for ribs, four cheese spin dip. They got an incredible spinach dip in Montana, as you know it. And, and you can find the barbecue sauce at the store as well. Take home a bottle with you. There you apple go. butter barbecue. Excellent stuff. So be sure to go visit Montana's where they have certified smoke and grill masters doing all of the barbecuing with seven locations throughout British Columbia. Shout out Nanaimo. Including Nanaimo, British Columbia, Langley, Tawasin, Prince George, Victoria, Fort St. John, and Kelowna. Be sure to go check out Montana's Barbecue and Bar today. All right, guys. Joining us now, Canucks forward Sheldon Dries, who had a great season last year at the Oddsford Canucks and got into 11 games with the Vancouver Canucks. Sheldon, how you doing, man? How's the offseason treating you? I'm doing good. Uh, thanks for having me. It's doing good. Um, just enjoying my time here in Michigan and gearing up for next season. Absolutely, man. It's good to hear. And I know you mentioned uh, off air that you've been to some weddings so far, so I'm sure you've had some fun so far this summer, getting a little bit of time to relax and uh, you know get all prepared for hockey season in the next few weeks here, I'm sure. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's definitely wedding season. Um, our time in our lives right now uh, with everything going on in the world. But uh, yeah, had some trips early and now it's uh, just gearing back up to the season. Uh, can't wait to get going. Awesome, and I'm. Uh, I know you're a Michigan guy growing up. I'm sure you stayed there in the off season. What is it with these Michigan guys? You guys never want to leave Michigan. It feels like. <laughs> uh, I think you're on something there. No, it's uh, <laughs> it's definitely home for uh, for a lot of guys here. Um, the summers are awesome. Obviously, my family's here. My wife's family's here, so it's definitely home base for us. So I uh, I love the season, but I definitely appreciate my time at home during the off season. That's awesome, man. Before we get into too much of the the pro talk about your hockey career, I got to ask why Western Michigan? Because I'm always curious why you know these Michigan guys where they go to Michigan, Michigan State, Western Michigan. Like, why did you choose uh, Western Michigan for your NCAA career? There's a few reasons. Um, number one, that uh, Justin Blatchel is actually the coach I committed to, and and I really liked what he was uh, bringing to the table and what he his vision for the program was. And then Andy Murray actually came in and. Um, it was, a, it was a great fit and I, I love coach Murray playing for him. Um, and it's also two and a half hours away from, uh, my parents' house. So, um, everything they gave me growing up, um, the least I could do is just kind of stay closer to home and have them kind of, um, cheer me on and follow me in my college career as well. Um, definitely lucky that I went to Western. My dad actually played at Western for a year back in 86, I believe. Hmm. Um, so a little family tie there, but um, I definitely love uh, Western, and they're going to make the right choice there. No doubt. And when I was checking out your Elite Prospects page before this, uh, I had to ask, like, was Western Michigan worried about your penalty minutes? Because, I, like, I seen you play in Abbotsford last <laughs> year. You weren't taking a lot, but I look at your numbers in the USHL. You had 100-plus penalty minutes in back-to-back seasons. Like, what was Sheldon Dries like at 18, 17 years old? Because I got to know, like, where are these penalty minutes coming from, man? He was kind of a loose cannon, I think. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I think it was just kind of a the culture in Green Bay there in juniors. Um, it was just, we were super skilled, super fast, and we were winning games, but we were also super tough. And, and that kind of trickled down to my first year. I kind of want to show that, that I want to buy into that system. And uh, I was fighting quite a bit, and um, I'm glad I <laughs> I still got a little bit of fight in me, but I'm glad I matured, uh, matured a bit and, and found my game somewhere else. Uh, it shocked me a little bit because I've seen you play out now. It's for obviously a lot. I had to ask. So, yeah, you were scrapping back then or what? Yeah, I was trying to at least for, <laughs> uh, for a 5'9 guy. It's much as can scrap. <laughs> well, it's, it was funny. I had to ask about that for sure. But I mean, I, I kind of want to get into a little bit of just the stuff with Abbotsford last year. You obviously joined a new organization and signed there and, and get an opportunity to, you know, play in a very high part of that roster out there at the Abbotsford Canucks. Um, and, you know, I, I remember talking to you after some games where just the goals were always going in for you. Like it felt like a lot of things were going your way uh, in your first season with Abbotsford. Mm-hmm. So just kind of looking at the season as a whole, like how much fun did you have last year with the Abbotsford Canucks? Oh, it was it was unbelievable. Um, obviously, switching to a new organization, new team, it's always nerve wracking. You don't know how you're going to fit or how the guys are going to be, and different factors. But honestly, for myself and a hockey standpoint, it was unbelievable. Um, obviously, it, it sucks that we got knocked out in the first round there, but the guys were unbelievable: coaching staff, equipment staff, medical staff. I mean, everyone was great in the organization. 
And even uh, the town of Abbotsford is awesome for my wife and I. And we got a dog, so we're super outdoorsy during the during the season. So he's got all his trails and his walks that he loves. Mm-hmm. And then Vancouver as well. I mean, it's a beautiful city. There's nothing to complain about. So um, the switch was awesome, and, and I'm happy to be back in two more years. Absolutely. You guys had you know a great team out there in Abbotsford. Obviously, you mentioned the playoffs didn't exactly go your guys' way for sure, but what were some of the moments last year that you just really enjoyed? I mean, I, like I think of some of the times with, you know, Jack Rathbone having some heck of a games, the five point games that he had some of the hat tricks that you had, like it was, it just felt like there was some, some awesome moments last year with you guys in the Abbotsford Canucks. Like what were a few that maybe stuck out to you of some of like the, your favorite nights and favorite games from last year? Favorite night. Um, honestly, it was a roller coaster last year because you know, we, new team so the fans and the city so engaged um immediately and that was awesome to see and then the covid restrictions only a certain amount of people are about allowed to come in and then on the ice like yeah you you mentioned the um patrick game against ontario that one kind of sticks out to me because that was a big team we were going against and um uh rathbone having all his his great success but even like the flooding in Abbotsford, how everyone rallied around each other. And then the COVID for our team, where we only had dressed, what, 10 forwards and 5D that night um, and still pulled out a point somehow. So, um, I mean, just as a whole, uh, nothing really sticks out big time to me, but it's definitely the whole season that, um, that I'll cherish forever. And uh, I think a lot of the offense from we watched, like from yourself, we called it the two Sheldons, you and Sheldon Rempel. You guys just seem to have like instant chemistry together. And, you know, Sheldon uh, Rempel at least has moved on. Uh, but what was it like yep. playing with you two last year? It felt like, you know, kind of just looking at what you guys did prior to coming to Abbotsford. I mean, it was career years for both of you guys. Where did you guys find that success? Like, was it day one of training camp and it kind of just rolled from there? Because that's what it felt like. Yeah, that's basically what it is. Um we didn't know each other going into the season at all. Uh, just knew of each other because there's not too many Sheldons in uh, in the league or playing <laughs> hockey. So uh, <laughs> we always joke about that. Sheldon one and Sheldon two. But um, yeah, we just we just found that chemistry on the ice that just um, linked up constantly, and it was fun. And then you got you got to tan, um, and guys like that. Um, he just got the. I mean, you could go down the list that we we could play with anyone in our top nine. Um, was unbelievable. Anyone could play up and down the lineup. So it was a fun year, and that chemistry was definitely uh, a fun ride for sure. Yeah, I think looking at some of the names you guys had, you mentioned it. Like you, one of the strongest top sixes, top nines in the league. There's a lot of skill there. A lot of guys that you know could probably play on NHL teams around the league everywhere else. So like when you guys are in the playoffs there, like how I know, like I, even talking to Ryan Johnson about this, it was a massive letdown. And I remember talking to him like a week after, and he says he still couldn't stop thinking about it. Like how, how disappointing was yep. that playoff run for you guys there? And can't even really call it a playoff run, honestly. No. Yeah, exactly. You can't really call it a run. Um, it was, it was heartbreaking because uh, we knew the potential our team had. We just, we were out of sync and you can make whatever excuse you want. It, it doesn't matter because it comes down to effort and we just didn't have it. And it's a shortened series, but Baker still playing the same series. It didn't matter. Um, the amount of games we had, to, we had to bring our A game and we just didn't. Um, so yeah, it was a letdown because we knew how special that team was and, and how close those guys were. We would have loved to keep running and play for the Calder Cup, but it just didn't happen. But, um, we got to move on and learn from it. And I think that's what we're going to do this year. Absolutely. And I know you're going to get a, probably an opportunity at training camp to, you know, get some NHL time. And I know you got to play under Bruce Boudreaux last year in the month of April. What was that like? Because uh, in the media, when we heard that Bruce Boudreaux was coming in, we were like, hell yeah, we've, we've seen this guy do interviews before. We've seen uh, the, uh, the all access videos of him. We were very excited to deal with Boudreaux. When you get the call up, uh, I guess you first got it in January, but you got the longer run in April in January, I guess when you, know that you're playing for a coach like Bruce Boudreaux in the NHL. What did that moment kind of feel like for you? Because uh, I'm curious what a player's point of view is it of it is, because like we look at it as a media and we're like, wow, this is awesome. This is Bruce Boudreaux. Uh, but from a player, like what do you kind of think when you learn that Bruce Boudreaux is going to be your coach for a bunch of games here? Yeah, it was awesome. Um, I didn't really get to know Greener too much, but uh, when Bruce came in, I, I think it was the right move for the team. And as soon as uh, I got that call, he, he talked to me as soon as I got to the rank and said, hey, just play your game, uh, have fun with it. And that's, uh, that's what you want to hear from a coach, too. You don't want to be um, uptight and all nervous. Um, so he's a funny guy. He, he makes you relax. He makes you make sure you do your work, though. It's, it's not all fun and games. Um, 
start winning games, that's that's when the fun and the smiles come along. So um, he's awesome to play for. Great guy. Great guy to talk to off the ice. Um, and I'm excited about the season as well. And what's that like for a player like you who, you know, spent a good portion of the season in the AHL, but you get to that, that second game in April there where you end up playing. And I think you got it even in the first game, but you score a power play goal uh, in your second game of April. Yep. Like, what's it like to to know that there's a confidence in you from what you've done at the AHL level for a guy like Boudreaux to just put you right on the power play in the NHL? Like, what does that do for a player's confidence? Oh, it skyrockets. Uh, skyrockets to the next level, honestly. Um, I wasn't really expecting that by any means. I, I kind of know my role, but to have that confidence in the coaching staff that puts you out there in those situations, um, it helps for sure. Because you, you get called out, you, you're nervous. Doesn't matter who you are. Um, but when a coaching staff finds um, kind of like a niche they can put you in and and put you in those different situations, over time you're going to be more confident each time you step on the ice, and I, I think that helped big time for me. What was it like, kind of just? getting there like at the, in the middle of April and this team's just like on a run, like what's the room like at that point? Like I got to imagine it's just like electric with the way that the team was winning so many games at that point and starting to really make a push for the playoffs. Like what was that kind of like for the, for you guys there in the room? Yeah, you said it was electric. Um, there's a buzz around the room. There's a buzz around the city. Uh, we knew what we had to do to kind of make that playoff push and ended up not happening. And, and when that news came that, um, the chances were done. Um, you could you could feel the air come out of the room for sure. Yeah. Um, so that's a gr- good group over there. Great group of guys. They felt uh, made me feel comfortable and welcome right away, which is huge for for any call up. And you know that's a good opportunity. You get into eleven NHL games last year. You obviously were a guy who's used in the top line in the AHL. I, I'm guessing it wasn't that much of a hard decision for you to sign for two more years with the Canucks organization, was it? No, not at all. Um, it's where I wanted to be. I, I think I knew it um, around Christmas. I, I wanted to come back. Um, I love Vancouver. I love Abbotsford. Uh, I love BC living. Um, it was an easy decision for my wife and I to come back, and, and that actually definitely helped. That's awesome, man. I know uh, we've joked about this during the season. I remember chatting with you after some games, and you were saying you'll take goals no matter how they come. And I know one of the ways that you kind of bring on the power play, and I remember you mentioning this. You said you don't have the biggest body, but you like to bang around the net. Um, maybe you could talk us through that. Like, when did you become a net front present, Sheldon? Because I think people would see you on the ice and they'd say, that doesn't look like one of these six foot four guys blocking the whole goalie, but you make it work in front of the net. That's a spot where you have success. Like, where does that come from? And maybe kind of how do you, how do you find success in front of the net at your size? Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, I, I ask myself the same question every once in a while, <laughs> but, uh, I think it's starting Colorado with the Eagles my second year. Um, just the way our power play shaped out, I ended up in front and we ended up scoring. <laughs> and then I was talking to the power play coach. I was like, do you mind if I, if I do this next game too, going to see how it goes and we scored again. So we just started running with it from there. And, um, I kind of found my niche in front. I, um, I'm not the biggest guy, so the taller goalie can see right over me, but it's all about having a good stick and good body position. Um, and then having that chemistry, like we were talking about earlier with Rempel and Patan and, and wrestling up top is working on those in practice and those tips and those shots where, where they should shoot, where I should have my stick. Um, so I'm not going to question it too much. It's working right now, but it's definitely been fun. I, I guess you, you brought it up there, that power play unit. Like, you guys had to know, like, you guys are one of the most talented power play units in the AHL, right? Like, you guys must have had so much confidence putting out those five guys that you put out there on that first unit all the time. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, big credit goes to – Holmes for sure, um, giving us freedom to, to make plays and be hockey players, but also giving us systems to stick to things when things aren't always going our way. Um, but we're constantly working on it too. It, it was a fun group to be with, uh, and it's always better when you're scoring goals. So there, there's smiles going around the room and talking about different plays. So um, when you have those, that confidence to try different things and it just ends up in the back of the net, it's, it's always a fun, uh, fun, power, fun power play and fun year. And you guys had a hell of a run kind of to, to end the season aside from the playoffs and those final two games uh, against Manitoba. But, like, the way that you guys played kind of after, you know, COVID really shut you guys down in December and early January there. But, like, after that, what was it like being on that run with you guys? I don't remember the exact record, but, like, you guys were on a tear for a while there. Yeah. Um, the team just came alive. I, I don't know what it was. Everything just clicked into, into their spots and – 
we were winning games because the West was so tight. We, we needed a win to even be in playoffs. There's no secure spots. Um, honestly, there was no formula. Uh, it was just, it came down to hard work and competing and having pride for for the team and the guys sitting next to you. Um, so yeah, it was definitely fun though. I got to ask you about some guys on this roster because I think there's some some big personalities, and I want to start with one of the bigger ones on the ice for sure. Uh, in Vinny Arsenault, what does what does he mean to a team? Because it, it feels like uh, from the stands and from the media box, he uh, he does a lot for this group. What is he like, uh, kind of around the locker room? And I know I I interviewed him for for one of the fishing articles I wrote for the AHL, uh, and the dude talked for like 25 yeah. minutes about lobster fishing. So I'm sure he does that in the locker room too. Oh yeah, I, I know the ins and outs of lobster fishing right now by <laughs> all the amount of stories that he tells everyone. <laughs> no, he, he's awesome though. Um, you know, he knows how to goof around the locker room and be a great team guy, but he's also so intense when it comes to on ice and the hockey aspect of it. Um, obviously, you don't want to mess with him and be on his bad side. <laughs> but uh, Vinny's awesome for the room and for the guys and the young guys. Just what it means to be a pro and what it means to compete day in and day out. And I think people see the way that he plays and they have to think like if you're a young player or even a skilled player like yourself, like to know that that guy's on the roster, what does that mean to kind of like, I don't want to say safety, but know that there's a guy out there that can protect you like he does. Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, uh, when you have a guy like that, that's always uh, behind you knowing that he has your back. It definitely gives you some more confidence. It, it shouldn't be his job to, to police everything. You got to kind of stick up for yourself all the time too. Mm-hmm. But knowing Vinny's on your team is also uh, a nice little added touch to, to Abby there. Um, I know just talking to some guys around the league, they uh, they definitely know who he is. So <laughs> it's nice to have him on our side. Yeah, most definitely. Well, we'll see. You got your, your history of fighting, so you can stick up for yourself, Sheldon, if at some point if you need to, I guess. <laughs> uh, I want to ask about so I need like, to. Uh, another one that was really interesting and a story we had to follow all year long was Danila Klimovich, who comes in at 18 years old and – uh, looks like there's, you know, still a lot of, of room for him to grow his game, but you can see the skill at certain times. But, and, you know, I think Canucks fans look at that and they say, oh, man, this, you know, this high-end prospect, everyone wanted to see so many goals from him. But, Sheldon, you know this more than more than anybody. How, like, how hard would it be for an 18-year-old to come into the AHL and have success? And how impressed were you with what Daniil Klimovich did last year? Yeah, exactly. I mean, um, being 18 and doing what he did, it's unbelievable because, I don't think he ever lost confidence. That was the funny part. Um, yeah. He still has throwing to do, and everyone knows it, and he knows that. But um, the skill set he has is unbelievable. I can't wait to see what he does in the next couple of years here. Um, it, it was awesome having him, too. He, he didn't speak too much English at the beginning, and then he, then he learned and um, got married. <laughs> so <laughs> it was definitely a big year for him. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it, it, the excitement around him, um, is high and rightfully so. He's going to be a really, real special player in uh, Vancouver, and I can't wait to see what he does. And for people that didn't get a chance to watch you play a lot last year, like you also spent a lot of time on the penalty kill, and I'm wondering, like, how important is that for you if you want to have some NHL games and you know play more than 11 games like you did last year? Uh, is penalty kill something that you want to focus on and be able to know that you can do that at the NHL level as well? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, Anytime you can put yourself in a different situation, this gives you more opportunities to, to be called up. Um, if Vancouver ever needs a guy, um, definitely take pride in that. Um, blocking shots, doing the right thing, listening to Ags and what he has to say about the, the penalty kill. So definitely, uh, I want to be a leader. And part of that is, you know, leader, um, on the penalty kill as well, not just the power play guy. So, um, it's taking the next step in my, in my career and, and real, really taking pride. And new coach coming in now, former NHL coach with the Blackhawks, Jeremy Carlton, uh, coming into Abbotsford. Do you know him at all? Have you had any conversations with him so far? Nope, I, I don't know him. Um, haven't talked to him yet. I'm sure he's still uh, just moving his family, getting all settled. Um, and I know he has a few kids, so you know, school and stuff uh, sorted out there. Um, I'll probably talk to him in the next couple weeks here before uh, before we head back to Van and. And I'm excited. I heard uh, really good things. Um, sounds like he's a player coach, and listening to some of the interviews, it uh, seems like he'll be a real nice fit. Absolutely, man. It should be another exciting year. It, it feels like, you know, Abbotsford came in last year, and there was a lot of things to kind of iron out at the start of the season being a new organization. But 
I'm curious, like, you know, it feels like you guys are bringing back a really strong roster from what it looks like. A lot of the defense core is going to be returning. You guys have even added a couple of veteran guys from the, you know, NHL, AHL experience. Uh, if you're just looking at this Abbotsford team for next year, what are the expectations now that it feels like it might just be like a little bit more of like a smooth road to start the season? I'm not saying it was bumpy going into last season, but like I remember the training camp where there was like, I don't know, 12 of you guys on the ice on day one uh, at that training yeah. camp in Abbotsford. I'm, I'm sure it's going to be a little bit different this year. Uh, do you think like it's just going to be like, what are the expectations for you for the Abbotsford Canucks this next season? Yeah, they should be high. Um, I know as a player, we don't expect to uh, get out first round or anything like that. Um, we expect to be in the top of the standings all year um, and go on a real good run this year because um, not only do we want it, the city deserves it and the organization deserves it. So uh, as much as it sucked last year getting knocked out first round, I think in the future coming up, it's going to benefit us. Um, we're going to learn uh, and we're going to play hard and, and I'm excited for the season. And I'm sure goals for yourself coming out of training camp here, you know, goal for every guy is to play in the NHL. For yourself looking at it at training camp, what do you have to do uh, to put yourself into a position that you can make the Canucks roster in Vancouver out of the camp here? Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, uh, I need to be the hardest working guy on the ice. Uh, I know everyone says that, but um, it comes down to compete level. Um, but that's what Bruce is kind of looking for in that, uh, that fourth line role. And being responsible, uh, and then chipping in. You can't just play defense. You, you got to take the puck down to the other end and chip in offensively as well. So there's definitely opportunity there. It's just come down to who wants it more. And um, I'm excited for the comp- competition at camp. Absolutely, you got a guy on the inside now with Trent getting the move up to the NHL as well. He saw you pot 35 last year, so at least you got a guy rooting for you. That's good. And I, I kind of want to ask because I think Trent, uh, Trent's had an up and down relationship with Canucks fans over the past few years here, uh, even in his time in Utica as well. But for a guy that got to play under him last year, what do you think about him being moved to the NHL now and kind of running the defense up there? I think it's awesome. Cole uh, and I, we had a great, great relationship. Um, I love playing for him. I, I talked to him a few times this summer. I'm super happy for him and his family to to finally get that chance up at the NHL level. Um, from a fan standpoint, he's one of the best guys. He's he's such a competitor. He he listens to his players. He he knows when to demand more and and when just to be um, when guys kind of need that. Uh, not a shoulder to cry on, but someone to kind of talk to and talk through different situations of, of not just hockey, but life as well. So he, he gets different aspects of a, of a player, and I, I couldn't be any more happy for him. Absolutely. Well, that's good to hear. And I think another spot here with the Abbotsford Canucks moving forward is just going to kind of be, you know, some players returning. And I wanted to ask about one that uh, that signed with Noah Juleson now. Like, I know that he's kind of the hometown kid in Abbotsford. How much were you guys leaning on him? Uh, last season for restaurant recommendations, maybe some trails for the dog. Like, was was Juleson just getting too much questions every day, especially the first few weeks there? Oh, it had to be every day. Um, <laughs> any restaurant, you know, uh, what restaurants go to and all the directions and all the street names, how to get there. Uh, <laughs> he, he was a huge resource for us. Uh, I'm happy that he, he's back for another year at least. And um, I'm just excited for him. Uh, he, he's a man. He, he's such a competitor. He's a leader on our team. Um, so I'm excited to have him back and see my camp. Absolutely. And I guess, uh, we'll kind of just wrap things up there, Sheldon, man. I really uh, appreciate you take, taking the time here and, uh, I know it's going to be an exciting little bit to the finish for the off season here. And, uh, I'm sure you're excited. You guys got a training camp up in Whistler. It's a beautiful spot up there. Did, did you ever get a chance to go up to Whistler when you were living here yet? No, I haven't. Um, when we were thinking about it, it was kind of during uh, COVID time. So, uh, it just never worked out. And, um, I'm excited to go up there. So uh, I heard nothing but good things. I I know you mentioned the dog earlier, and people love dogs. So I got to ask, what kind of dog do you have, by the way? I got a uh, name's Murphy. It's a little lab spaniel terrier mix. So uh, he looks like a black lab, but he's about 35 pounds. <laughs> wow. Okay, that's a new look. You might have to post a picture of this thing. We might have to to see Murphy. A yeah, he's kind of like he's short and stocky, so uh, <laughs> it's a good fit for him. Awesome. And I guess. <laughs> Final one about Abbotsford, and maybe Noah helped you with this one too. But what was your favorite restaurant or favorite uh, spot to go for dinner there? Oh, uh, restaurant. I mean, can't go wrong with uh, Cactus Club. Yeah. Um, I would say that 
too much to go to. Um, <laughs> Austin restaurant. Um, no complaints. I know it's a chain, but uh, <laughs> we like we don't get it here in the states. Yeah, no, fair enough. You'll find a spot in Worcester that you'll really like. They got some some nicer, uh, like almost even like higher class versions of Cactus Club. You you guys will love it out there for training camp. All right, perfect. I'll just have to check it out. Yeah, most definitely. Well, Sheldon, appreciate you taking the time, man. And this has been a blast. And uh, all the best at training camp. And we'll see you uh, next year in a Canucks jersey, man. We're looking forward to it. I appreciate it. Thank you. And a massive thank you to Sheldon Dries for joining us on this episode of Canucks Convo. Great conversation you had with him, Chris. What was your biggest takeaway from that conversation? Well, I think, you know, you forget that he played 11 NHL games a lot, right? Like, he he was there basically all of April. I think he got there on the 12th, scored a power play goal on the 14th, and I think there's a lot of, a lot of uh, at least a lot of drive in his game. Like, you could hear his answer about what he wants to bring to training camp, and he knows he has to be one of the hardest working guys to make that NHL roster, so... Be interested to see what happens. He's a guy who can play center. He can kill penalties. I know he's five foot nine. I know he joked about it a few times, but he's he plays above his size. Like he's a guy who's a net front presence on the power play. He can do a lot of different things. And scoring thirty five goals in the AHL, I know it's not doesn't mean that he's going to be a surefire NHLer. But I mean, I can see it him being a guy well. who slides in. It and, bodes and well. That's kind of part of our poll question here, I guess. Too uh, is chatting about him being an option, but. Yeah, like penalty killer. He's been around the league a little bit. He played 40 games one season in the NHL for the uh, Colorado Avalanche in that 2018-19 like, just absolute S show that was uh, the Colorado Avalanche back then. But he's been an NHL player, and uh, it was good to chat with him. It'll be interesting to see if he's a guy who can – how many games – because I think he will get into some NHL games next year again when injuries happen. He's versatile enough to – if you need a top-nine call-up, is he the best option from Abbotsford? Probably. And he played a fourth-line role last year and looked like he fit in there. Like, he's a guy who can kind of do a little bit of everything in a call-up role, right? So, it's a good piece for the Canucks. They locked him up for two more years. So, he obviously loved it here uh, in BC in his first season. You kind of heard that in the interview. So, yeah, good little piece uh, for the Abbotsford Canucks anyways. And and a decent call-up option when you need a forward. Which brings us perfectly to our Atlas Goods poll question. Our episode 285, Atlas Goods poll question, brought to you by locally owned Atlas Goods. Use promo code CC15 to get 15% off your first order of pop rinds. Folks, these are the best fresh pork rinds straight from your microwave or air fryer. they got lots of flavors. You can put the popcorn seasoning on. You can make the nachos like my co-host I got a question. Here. So I made the nachos already. Mm. What's the next thing I should do with pop rinds? What if, okay, now hear me out. Okay. Have you ever put dill pickle chips in like a ham and cheese sandwich? Yeah. What if you put those in a sandwich? They're thick though. They are a little too thick. I was thinking of like crushing them up and putting them in something. Ooh, okay. They could give you a nice little crunch on your sandwich if you crush them up. No, I I was like, what I do with my salads normally, Mm. my go-to little topping for salads is these crispy onion things that you buy at uh, Superstore. Yes, okay, yeah. That's why I was wondering. Maybe the pork rinds, will uh, you can crush them up and put them in a Caesar salad instead of bacon bits. Mm. No, that's something. Anyways, reply to the tweet of this episode and let me know what... Uh, Lots of options. What should we try? I'll try it. It'll take me maybe four or five months to get around to it, but I'll do the same thing. The nachos were great. And our listeners can do it too because you can use promo code CC15 to get 15% off your first order of Pop Rinds. Company based out in Surrey. Uh, same day shipping if you order before 3 p.m., so be sure to check out atlasgds.com. Our poll question today, which 2021-22 Abbotsford Canuck forward will play the most NHL games this upcoming season? Chris, so far leading with the vote, 57% of people say Will Lockwood, 21% say Phil DiGiuseppe, 14% say Sheldon Dries, and 8% say they are angry. Now, I, I disagree with the masses on this one big time. And again, like, I think it's clear that I'm not the highest on Will Lockwood. I just, I, I really think Phil DiGiuseppe is going to be that guy. I think Phil DiGiuseppe is going to be that guy this year. Weird because he wasn't it last year, right? Yeah. Didn't get into an NHL game last year. Sheldon Dries got into 11. And I think that means a little, like, Bruce Boudreaux had him for all 11 of those games because his first game came in January. He had two games stint there in January. Then he had the other nine games in April. I, I'm i surprised. Sheldon Dries at the bottom of this, right? Yes. Yeah, that's a little surprising to me. He's the guy who actually played the most NHL games last year, you know, actually had production. You look at Will Lockwood, who played NHL games, still zero production for Will Lockwood. So 
you know, that was something that, that Sheldon even brought up in, in the interview there was like he, he wants to be able to be responsible defensively, but also you have to chip in. And that's kind of the situation that Will Lockwood finds himself in. It's like, yeah, he's great at bringing hits and energy, but he hasn't added one point yet. So I I I think I'm against the masses here too. I think that it's going to be Sheldon Drys who plays in those games, and I unless think thing, Will Lockwood's really improved. Like that's the thing, and he's at the age where improvement still does come, you know, big time yeah. at the age that he's at. So that's very possible too. But if it's the exact same Will Lockwood that we saw last season, yeah, he can push for a spot. He could have a really good camp and maybe be the guy who makes the team out of camp. Like if I was betting uh, on a player making the team out of camp, I personally would like to see DiGiuseppe get, you know, finally a chance to play on the fourth line. Likewise. But coming out of what we've seen at training camp in the past, Will Lockwood has a good chance of doing it out of these three guys to make the team out of training camp, I think. Yeah, and the thing with Will Lockwood, like 24 years old, the thing about Will Lockwood is – yeah, he brings energy, and like you said, he's not chipping in on offense. The, I mean, there's the aspect you could look at it and say, yeah, Phil Giuseppe didn't get an NHL action, but he's the same amount of NHL points as Will Lockwood did last season. So there's that to look at. But He's also Italian. He is also Italian. There's that too. But in all seriousness, like with Will Lockwood, it's not like he blows the doors off defensively either, right? No. Like It's not like you're watching Canucks games and you say anything other than, wow, look at his hustle. You don't say... Wow, look at how he broke up that play. Look at how he read that play and broke it up. You, you're not really saying that with Will Lockwood. And to me, I, I'm just looking at it. And when you take size into consideration, he's only 5'11", 172. That's what he's listed at. And when you take that into consideration, it's kind of like, well, what's your identity? Because if you can't score, you're probably not going to be an NHL player for a while. But again, like we've seen a guy like Tyler Mott completely reinvent himself to become a really effective penalty killer. So, look, I know people look at Will Lockwood, and a lot of times they say he's the Mott light, but how, how long can you wait for that? I know he's only played 18 NHL games, or 15 NHL games, excuse me, 13 last year, to the season prior to that, but I just, I, I, I'm not with people when I say, yeah, this is the guy that's going to that's gonna do things. I still think he needs to develop. That's yeah. all. I actually have, like, the complete opposite results of the poll right now. Like, I would go with Dries, number one, DiGiuseppe, number two, Lockwood, number three, I think, if you had to choose who plays most games. And that's, you know, I could probably flip two and three around because I think the organization might want to use Lockwood over DiGiuseppe. But I, I still just, I think, I think PDG needs a chance to get at least into an NHL game this season just to see what he can do. Like, I... He's the biggest body of the three. He's a guy who can bang on the wing, play off or play on the power play, play on the penalty kill. Like, I'm, I'm still very surprised he didn't get a game last year. But we'll have to see. I, I, I think I'm going with Sheldon Drys though, and it's not just because he did the podcast today. Uh, you know, we've had both Will Lockwood and Phil, uh, Phil DiGiuseppe on the show in the past. I just, I think Drys playing 11 games last year, all of 11 of them under Boudreaux kind of gives him a step ahead of the other two guys uh, and actually having production as well, being a guy that was trusted on the power play. Like, let's not forget, we were there at that practice in the morning quads when, like, wow, who's who's that guy on the on the second power play unit? Oh, wow, it's Sheldon Dries. He was getting an opportunity for that, mm-hmm. and I think that meant a lot. You could hear in the interview of him talking about that, like what it does for your confidence when a coach who calls you up from the AHL puts you in that kind of spot. So I do think that there's something there with Boudreaux and Dries that the other two players don't really have. Yeah, absolutely. With Trent Call being an assistant coach, we kind of joked about this off air a little bit, but does he give any of these guys a leg up? Like, who did Trent Call like the most out of these three I players? I think he liked Sheldon Dries. I, I like you know Sheldon scored thirty five goals for him in an AHL jersey last year. I think that means something. He knows what Dries can do offensively and defensively. He's seen both sides of it, so I think Call's going to be a big help in in deciding who gets the call up. And if you're literally trying to win games, which is what. Trent Cole has done in the past in the AHL anyways. It's just purely trying to win games. It drives probably is the best option right now because yeah, he's not, you know, he's not six foot one like Phil DiGiuseppe is, but he's also not that much smaller than Will Lockwood. Mm-hmm. It's just a little bit shorter. He's probably bigger, like, you know, weight wise than, than Lockwood even is too. And drives can play center. You can play the wing. That's the other option. Look at all three of these guys. Drives can play both positions. The other two are just right wingers or left wingers. Right. So, um, I, I, yeah, I'm a little surprised that Dries is getting the least amount of the votes. The angry crew's almost beating him there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, surprising. It's not good when you get almost beat by the angry crew. No. On our next episode, we're going to give our Abbotsford Canucks lineups, uh, but we didn't really have time for it today. I know we kind of hinted that we'd be doing it, but mm-hmm. we don't have time for it today. I know, I'm excited. Well, the article will drop, and then we'll do it right after that. The article will drop, yeah. We'll have a good time. It was lots, fun. Lots of good stuff at Canucks Army, and I just want to tease something. It'll be out by the time this podcast is out. Michael Lou writing this for us at Canucks Army. Uh, 11 Vancouver Canucks players 
you forgot we're Vancouver Canucks players. And, and basically the criteria I gave him when I told him I wanted to see this story is really successful players that people know the names of, but you don't remember them ever playing for the Canucks. And what inspired this was when we had the little Jeff Sanderson I was thing. say Jeff Sanderson. Jeff right Sanderson's there. on there. Rick Vive is definitely on there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it'll be a good article. Drop it on Canucks Army. But we'll close it out there. Uh, for my co-host, Chris Faber, my name is David Grigelli. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Canucks Conversation. Thanks for listening to Canucks Conversation. Delivered by DoorDash. Hit the subscribe button to never miss an episode. How about keep it to a thank you, Jim? Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.